The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. God of battle and of peace, for the blessings of this day, for the lives that have been spared, for the prayers that have been answered, thank you from a full and humble heart. And that prayer, of course, was said 69 years ago, August 15th, the feast day of early assumption, the official end of the war. World War II, a war that is estimated to take 85 million people and their lives, ending them and the destructions of family and nations and everything else that went along with that 85 million. The worst war the world has ever seen. And it was our lady of Fatima who said, this war, World War I, would end soon, but if man did not repent from his sin, a larger and greater war would break out. And of course, Lucy was told that the visionaries were told that 
when you see a light illuminate the night sky, that know that this war is going to happen. And it was reported even in the New York Times and other papers in the United States that all across Europe from 9 to 3 in the morning, the, the skies were lit up. And what they didn't know what to describe it compared to some kind of Aurora Borealis, which it wasn't. And they knew it wasn't. And Hitler began his march after that. Because nobody spoke up when they could have spoke up. Hitler himself knew if his first confrontation set up, if he was confronted, he was too weak to even put up much resistance. When he says make peace, doesn't does not mean not to make war. Our lady gave a message several years ago, and Yvonne just echoed it recently. Battle against sin and evil. Sometimes that means to take up arms. Certainly with prayer. But there is just defense. There is just reasons to do so. And we've gone on, and we play clay. We... we Continue to negotiate. In fact, Churchill said in the 1920s, when he was arguing for greater expenditures for the defense of, of Britain and the war, his critics, which were Brit- British statements, argued that peace with aggressive dictators could be ensued by the League of Nations and negotiations in good faith. That's what we do right now. We run to the United Nations, fix this. Back then it was the League of Nations. It was bad then, it's bad now. Oh, we got to go with them. Or the United States has got to consult with them. No, we don't. Our Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Nothing trumps it. Nothing surpasses it. Not even treaties. For those who don't understand that, because that's a whole other subject, they made that one statement in there, forefathers did, because the treaties had already existed. Not the ones that came afterwards. No treaty after that point in the beginning of the nation can trump the United States Constitution. It's invalid. But Churchill goes on and says that if the St. George Society, uh, he was talking actually to the St. George Society, he says that he describes that St. George today would attempt to save the maiden from the dragon. This is how it would take place, he says. St. George would be accompanied by not a horse, but a delegation. He would be armed not with lance, but by a secretariat. St. George would propose a conference with the dragon, a round table conference. No doubt, Churchill says, that it would be more convenient for the dragon's tail. Churchill continues and he says, then after making a trade agreement with the dragon, St. George would lend the dragon a lot of money. And then the maiden's release would be referred to the League of Nations of Geneva, and finally St. George would be photographed with the dragon. This is exactly how we operate everything today. We don't just go in with a big stick anymore without a few words. And we're being brought right into the same situations that past history should have taught us, but we didn't listen because we're too politically correct. We won't say the things we need to say. And our puppets are silent. Very little stirring of the soul to make you get up and say, thank God that we're hearing something we need to hear. The bishops do not realize how quickly they can put on the world stage by what they would do and stand up for, how many people would be following them. We want unity, and it's not there. We're, the pews are ready. 
In fact, some of the Jews are vacating going to other denominations where they speak stronger because they are at the end of this. Sarah Palin gave one speech and came on the national scene. Others have done the same thing. Joe the plumber stood up to Obama and said one little statement and became famous. Because people are looking for somebody that's got the gall to say what they need to say. Got the guts to say what they need to say. And suddenly they're thrown and thrust, be it, we're your leader. I've read things Joe the plumber has said since then. They quote him sometimes on different things. Just from one time he stood up in front of Obama. Instead of trying to be nice and shake hands and let's just dialogue. Let's get a round table. Let's negotiate the maiden and these things handed over to the United Nations. Let's go through them. We don't need to do that anymore. Your pulpit is that powerful. Our voices lay people to stand up and say, we're through with this. We're through with this because we have to be through with this because there's not any more time to do this. Do what? What Our Lady says. I believe what Our Lady says. I won't back down from it. I'm acting on it. I want to live it in my life. I want to institute it into the culture. And I can't do it without the bishops because they can either stymie it or they can get out of the way or they can be neutral or they can be for it. Whatever position you want. And so we have Our Lady urging, encouraging us, pushing us to do what we do and it's got to come through that being allowed to happen. Because if you're resisting it, you're resisting God. Ben Carson, the doctor, gets in front of Obama at the National Prayer Conference and he says that he's sick of being politically correct. And he's not there to offend people. I'm not trying to offend bishops. I'm trying to get you to wake up because you do not realize, you do not understand Our Lady of Medjugorje. For those bishops that do, thank God. But most don't. And many in America don't. I had a priest tell me, over here, the bishops are too legalistic. In Europe, they're more open and, and more uh, the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law. This is a priest who's on both sides of the ocean told me this. And so we have this taking place and we have all the time the world going down the tubes without the answer. The Virgin Mary has the answer. We the people will do it. And we need the, the encouragement of neutrality to let us do it or encouragement, hey, go do your thing. We're not asking to be supported, endorsed, approved, financed, or anything else. We know what to do. We just don't need to be stopped what we're allowed to do in a wrong way. And so you had Dr. Ben Carson. He's at the National Prayer Breakfast. He says some incredible things, and part of it was about a minute or so that he just lambasted and just explained healthcare, what needs to be done, and he rises to the national scene. Instantly, he's famous. Yes, he already was, but that was in circles. I never heard of him before that. After that, I heard about him a lot. There's people doing petitions for him to run the president because he stood up and he said something and he meant it and his life reflects that. But all we're here is silence in the church. That may offend some. 
You say, well, we write this and we write, we don't want letters. We don't want proclamations. We want confrontation. Jesus agitated many people, not because he wanted to, but because they didn't like to be convicted by truth. It's time you start convicting. You have to do this. You have to give us the power. We're ready to do it. We'll put our lives on the line. What do we have to do? So Ben Carson, we're going to play a little clip of just what he said and shows where you end up by not standing up. This is not the section about the health care he talked about with Mrs. Obama there and Mr. Obama there and the vice president there. And he said what he needed to say. And this is what we're saying to our bishops. You need to be doing some things that's not happening right now. And we're tired of waiting in the pew. Very tired. Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, Mrs. Obama, distinguished guest, which includes everybody, thank you so much for this uh, wonderful honor to be at the stage uh, again. I was here 16 years ago, and the fact that they've invited me back means that I didn't offend too many people. <laughs> so that was great. I want to start by uh, reading four texts, which will put into context what I'm going to say. Proverbs 11.9, with his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Proverbs 11.12, a man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. Proverbs 11.25, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. You know, I have an opportunity to speak in a lot of venues. Uh, this is my fourth speech this week. And... Um, I have an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. And I've been asking people, what concerns you? What are you most concerned about in terms of the spirituality and the direction of our nation and our world? And I've talked to very prominent Democrats, very prominent Republicans. And I was surprised by the uniformity of their answers. And those have informed my comments this morning. Now, it's not my intention to offend anyone. I have uh, discovered, however, in recent years that it's very difficult to speak to a large group of people these days and not offend someone. <laughs> and uh, people walk around with their feelings on their shoulders waiting for you to say something. <gasps> Did you hear that? And they can't hear anything else you say. The PC police are out in force at all times. I remember once I was talking to a group about the difference between a human brain and a dog's brain. And a man got offended. He said, you can't talk about dogs like that. But, you know, people just focus in on that, completely miss the point of what you're saying. And um, we've reached a point where people are afraid to actually talk about what they want to say. Because somebody might be offended. People are afraid to say Merry Christmas at Christmas time. It doesn't matter whether the person you're talking to is, a, is Jewish or, you know whether they're any religion. That's a salutation, a greeting of goodwill. We've got to get over this sensitivity. 
You know, and it, it keeps people from saying what they really believe. You know, I'm reminded of a very successful young businessman. And uh, he loved to buy his mother these exotic gifts for Mother's Day. And he ran out of ideals. And then he ran across these birds. These birds were cool. You know, they cost $5,000 a piece. They could dance. They could sing. They could talk. He was so excited, he bought two of them. Sent them to his mother. Couldn't wait to call her up on Mother's Day. Mother, mother, what would you think of those birds? And she said, they was good. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. Mother, you didn't eat those birds. Those birds cost $5,000 a piece. They could dance, they could sing, they could talk. And she said, well, they should have said something. (laughs) And you know, that's where we end up too if we don't speak up for what we believe. So it is for us the same. A good parable for what's going on to understand our situation today. Many people could have stopped Hitler. Many things could have stopped in the bud before it boomed out. And we got things all across the earth right now blooming out. And it's just such a nature and such a seriousness that if World War II was the greatest war, the worst war, the biggest tragic war we've ever had in the history of the world, which nobody would deny that, then what does it mean for a lady to just come for a few apparitions in Fatima and say, if you don't quit sinning, a larger and greater war will break out. Then now she's coming every day for almost uh, for over 33 years to tell us that the world is sinking as in a whirlpool because it does not know what sin it sinks in. How come it doesn't know what sin it's in? Because we're not living the fullness of Christianity. We don't have the wisdom. And we're not getting the wisdom from teachers. There is no question what the teachers are and who the teachers and the shepherds are. They're the teachers. The question is, are they good teachers or not good teachers? We have to stand. We have to make our moves now. And there's a welling up of Medjugorje people that's ready to do that. And they need their bishops to give the checkered flag, Go. Or actually, the green flag just to start going. We don't need to check her flag. It'll run its course. Because the lady wants to triumph. She's going to want to hold the banner. And you know what she said about that? She calls us the apostles, the lay people. And she says she'll have the, 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 the priest beside her in the triumph. Are you going to be there? Do you want to be there? Are you too politically correct? Well, you know, we got to be careful with this thing. Come on, it's been 33 years. When are you going to think? When are you going to really look into it yourself instead of through committees? And of course, there's some violence against it. Woe to you. Woe to you. Because you'll end up just like the birds. If those two birds would have spoke, they wouldn't end up on the roasted steak. And it's coming. It's coming. It's very clear. I listened to a clip about the Christians in the mountains right now, the ancient religion. All they would say on the news clip was ancient religion. They won't say the Christian. So even that was politically correct. They're saying we're talking about rescuing them, how we're going to get them out of the mountain tops because ISIS is, is centering these around. But even in the reports of killing these Christians, I thought I'd go way back to early Christianity. They want to say they're ancient religion. 
No, it's the ancient Christian religion. We're riddled with this PC stuff. But we have one cardinal we can look up to, Cardinal Galen of Germany in 1941, stood up right in the face of Hitler, knowing he, and believing he would be martyred for it, but willing to spill his blood. And he said what he needed to say. He's an icon for this. And he came up on such a stage of being his notoriety that Hitler became scared to kill him. Instead, he killed other priests. They sent 20 or so to the uh, prisons. They killed some others in retribution for that. So you can't even say, well, if I speak, it may cause other priests to get killed. No, no, you cause them to enter into martyrdom, into heaven. No excuses. No excuses at all. I know Obama went to see Francis a couple, three months back, uh, whenever it was, and it was very cordial. And they met on common ground about the poor. They didn't have any disagreements. And then they let the, the negotiations about the sticky stuff to, to, the, to the other people, the, the cardinals or the bishops, whoever was after that, to get the more pointy thing out of the limelight. No, Francis, go right to, go right to Obama and say, why do you want to change marriage? Where do you get that divine authority from when it's divine from God? Just tell him to his face. Reagan did that. We talked about this, about this a couple of shows ago. First thing he gets to see uh, Gorbachev, and he tells him, I want you to stop dropping these toys out of planes as bombs and maiming these kids. His whole staff went crazy. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. You got to do what Churchill said. At St. George, let's do a delegation. And that's what they did. The advisors around Francis, oh, you, you just keep it. Keep what we can agree on, the poor, the poor, the poor. Jesus even got flustered at that. You'll always have the poor. Get off of it. When are you acting? And when are you going to act? There's a whole other world right here. And there's going to be many birds cooked that could have spoke and they didn't. Because you did nothing and you said nothing. But Cardinal Galen didn't do that. He was outspoken. He didn't just give sermons or, or things. He was out there putting his life on the line. He was ready to die. And he didn't care what Hitler thought. He didn't care what anybody else thought. So part of Jones Reed today, or Jones Reed is part of Galen's, uh, one of his first speeches, August something in August of 1941. Right. This comes from August 3rd, 1941 sermon that he preached in the Church of St. Lambert. And it says, My faithful brethren, in the pastoral letter drawn up by the German hierarchy on the 26th of June and appointed to be read in all of the churches of Germany on July 6th, it is expressly stated According to Catholic doctrine, there are doubtless commandments which are not binding when obedience to them requires too great a sacrifice, but there are sacred obligations of conscience from which no one can release us and which we must fulfill even at the price of death itself. At no time and under no circumstances whatsoever may a man except in war and in legitimate defense, take the life of an innocent person. 
When this pastoral was read on July 6th, I took the opportunity of adding this exposition. For the past several months, it has been reported that, on instructions from Berlin, patients who have been suffering for a long time from apparently incurable diseases have been forcibly removed from homes and clinics. Their relatives are later informed that the patient has died, that the body has been cremated, and that the ashes may be claimed. There is little doubt that these numerous cases of unexpected death of the insane are not natural, but often deliberately caused, and result from the belief that it is right to take away life that is unworthy of being lived. This ghastly doctrine tries to justify the murder of blameless men and would seek to give legal sanction to the forcible killing of invalids, cripples, the incurable, and the incapacitated. I have discovered that the practice here in Westphalia is to compile lists of such patients who are to be removed elsewhere as unproductive citizens and after a period of time put to death. This very week, the first group of these patients have been taken from the clinic of Marenthal near Munster. See, this, I want to interrupt you. He's quoting the Laurel. He's quoting it to them. And he's confronting Hitler and Nazi Germany that you cannot do this. And he's demanding out of the officials, even though they might not do it, a response. And you know what happened to him? His statue grew. And it grew so strong that they were in fear of doing anything against them. Yes, they took retribution out. There's repercussions to that. But you can't let that silence you. Jesus wasn't quiet. And God didn't, or the better examples is being born in Bethlehem. And the Savior's born there. The angel's heart, you know, God's going to say, oh, don't say that because King Herod's going to find out and then he's going to kill these others because I know what's going to be the future and kill all these babies. You speak. You don't weigh out consequences. You say what is right and you quit being so diplomatic. We've got to say what's, we've got to say, we don't have to be coy about Our Lady Medjugorje. She's there. She's speaking to us. It's never in the history of the world since the very beginning. She says he's the last apparitions on earth. She says that I not come the world would have destroyed itself. And she wants everybody to be following her. Never has anybody had this type of situation who's existed since Adam. Our Lady's given messages, personal direction, and building an army of people, and we have inactivity. We have deserters. We have people going AWOL. And we have people that's just lazy, don't do anything. Throughout the church and in the church and out of the church, and even some in the Medjugorje world. This is big. This is your opportunity, and it's your only opportunity. It's not Congress. It's not the U.S. presidency. It's not the U.S. Supreme Court. It's not even our nation. This is it, people, and this is it, bishops. You have to understand this. You have to get this now. I'm pleading with you like I have the last several weeks. You've got to act now. We're in the 33 years of apparitions every day. Our lady's probably going to go 40 years, or not probably. I believe that very strongly. We're in the seven. Years she's asked for seven 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 prayers for thirty three years seven our fathers seven hymns seven glory beasts for these last seven years that we're entering into and the moment is now everything's unfolding from June twenty fifth nineteen or rather two thousand and fourteen she built everything from eighty one to two thousand and fourteen and now we've entered into the time of the crucifixion 
of the apparitions and what's taking place. Get into it. Understand it. Or you won't be where you can even have the thought to express yourself about the minor things we do now. Go go ahead. Paragraph 21 of the Code of Penal Law is still valid. It states that anyone who deliberately kills a man by a premeditated act will be executed as a murderer. It is in order to protect the murderers of these poor invalids, members of our own families, against this legal punishment that the patients who are to be killed are transferred from their domicile to some distant institution. Some sort of disease is then given as the cause of death, and since cremation immediately follows, it is impossible for either their families or the regular police to ascertain whether death was from natural causes. I am assured that at the Ministry of the Interior and at the Ministry of Health, no attempt is made to hide the fact that a great number of the insane have already been deliberately killed and that many more will follow. Article 139 of the Penal Code expressly lays down that anyone who knows from a reliable source of any plot against the life of a man and does not inform the proper authorities or the intended victim will be punished. Stop. Stop right there. Where those who are in authority in the church has gone to the police department, written letters, started speaking publicly from the pulpits, the bishops contact the county sheriff and said, according to the penal code, that if a wife or a mother, <clears throat> a mother is, is in a car wreck and the person driving hits it is drunk and she's pregnant and that child dies, they can be charged for murder. You charge it there. We demand that Dr. So-and-so down here on Fifth Avenue Street doing abortion clinics, we want this man arrested and demand it. It's not important that they do that in the fact that it's more important that you state it. Because if you do this and you personally do it and you get out there on the side of the street and not marching, forget the stupid marches. They're not getting us nowhere. It makes you get enthusiastic. I wrote about that and look what happened when I was sleeping. Forgive me if I offend you for saying that. But it's time to act. And if you're demanding this out of the police chiefs of the city, you're demanding it out of the county sheriff there, you're demanding the city council, you're making the voice. You're following their reaction and what they want us to do. They want you marching. That's, that's exactly what they want. That keeps you at bay. But if you get out there in your city and you demand that that doctor be arrested, you demand the clinic works to be arrested, you're doing what just Cardinal Galen says. The penal code, read that one thing, the penal code demands that if you know somebody's murdering somebody, you are to report it. Article 139 of the penal code expressly lays down that anyone who knows from a reliable source of any plot against the life of a man and does not inform the proper authorities or the intended victim will be punished. A plot? Did it say a plot? Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a plot. There's a, there's a plot. There was negotiations month after month after month in the Supreme Court for the health care. They pay for abortion. We know it's murder. And we got Chief Justice John Roberts, majority's opinion, the Catholic on the Supreme Court, not even talked to about the bishops publicly. 
that, hey, Mr. Roberts, you've excommunicated yourself, automatic excommunication. We demand that the sheriff in that county have you arrested. Don't think, oh, I'm worried it's going to be, you know, that sounds silly. No, it's a plot. It's part of the scheme. They try to figure out how they can make this work. And so Justice Sonia Sotomayor, the same one. She's Catholic. Six Catholics on the Supreme Court. Kennedy, Alito, Scalia, and Thomas, all Catholic, voted against it. Praise them. Get out there in public, everywhere you go, and say, thank God for these justices. They voted against this. These Catholic justices, look what they did. And then you go after Roberts, and you go after Sotomayor. Galen went after Hitler. What is the difference? I want to be explained by the bishops. What is the difference in Hitler, what he did, and what doctors are doing, and what Roberts did, and what Sotomayor did? Because they said there was a lot of Germans that could have did something silent. Roberts voted for this. Nobody believed he would do it. He should be scathed on this. There should be a public excommunication recognition of what he's already done to himself, that you no longer go to communion. You're excommunicated. But no, it's like the two birds. We're going to be silent. And now more babies are being, through convenience of the new health care, being aborted. And who's complicit with it? Who's part of it? Those who have the power to do something and did not. How many times have we heard this about Nazi Germany where they could have done something they didn't? I tell you, if a bishop got like that and do what Ben Carson did, what Sarah Palin did, or what Joe the Plumber did, and many people spoke out who became prominent just in two minutes. If they did this, you'd see action, and you'd see support behind this bishop, and you see him, what they're doing right now, they're beatifying, and he's already blessed, Cardinal Galen, because he stood up. He didn't worry about the consequences, and he was saying the penal code yeah, you say that's German's penal code. That's our same penal code here. You can't, you, if you know of a conspiracy, you are obligated, you have to, or you're part of it. You become part of the conspiracy. Go ahead. When I was informed of the intention to remove patients from Maranethal for the purpose of putting them to death, I addressed the following registered letter on July 29th to the public prosecutor, the Tribunal of Münster, and the head of the Munster Police. I have been informed this week that a considerable number of patients from the provincial clinic of Maranithal are to be transferred as allegedly unproductive citizens and sent to the institution of Reichenberg to be executed there immediately, and that according to the general opinion, this has already been carried out in the case of other patients who have been removed in like manner. Since this sort of procedure is not only contrary to moral law, both divine and natural, but is also punishable by death according to Article 211 of the Penal Code, it is my bounden obligation, in accordance with Article 139 of the same code, to inform the authorities thereof. Therefore, I demand at once protection for my fellow citizens who are threatened in this way and from those who propose to transfer and kill them and I further demand to be informed of your decision. The bishops could demand from Roberts that he reverse this. That he heard cases that they got that and so did I mean, both of these Catholics. Demand it. And if not, completely condemn the actions. They've done it. Their own record. There's not big an investigation necessary to do this. 
in silence. It's amazing. Give me that you just read. There's something in the front that caught, caught. the thing that Joan just read, Cardinal Van Golen, Galen, Galen read this. He says in there, he says, according to Catholic doctrine, there are doubtless commandments which are not binding when obedience to them requires too great a sacrifice. You hear what the Cardinal said? Even Catholic doctrine, you're not binded to, to, to follow that. When this doubtless that the, the, when the, when you bind in obedience requires too great of a sacrifice. In other words, if you might have to be silent about something, so you don't even have to do that. And so, but it's, then he goes on and says, "But there are sacred obligations of conscience from which no one can release us from, and which we must we must fulfill, even at the price of death itself." So, what is, what can this be compared to? What we're seeing right now in the church. According to Catholic doctrine, there are doubtless commandments which are not binding when obedience to them requires too great a sacrifice. We don't have to let people in this country, even the little kids, and because of whatever they're fleeing, for the, the greater sacrifice that's going to cost this nation, the greater suffering, the diseases released, what it's going to do to the whole culture. I don't want to hear we're worried about our prosperity and that's why we don't want these people to come in. It's garbage. I've read this one bishop wrote that. I don't accept that. This is totally erroneous. The sacrifice to let them come in is a destruction of our nation. We talked about this last week about letting people assimilate when they come in immigration. And as immigrants, they can overwhelm you. And that small good that Catholic doctrine agrees with that we should do that, and I agree we should do that, is negated by the fact that the tragedy they're running from or whatever those purposes are and the ones that's corrupt is far worse what's going to be as a consequence. So drill that into you. According to Catholic doctrine, this is Galen saying this in World War II, according to Catholic doctrine, there are doubtless commandments which are not binding when obedience to them requires too great a sacrifice. We cannot sacrifice this nation or we'll never be able to help El Salvador and Honduras. Never. And so he goes on and says, but there are sacred obligations of conscience from which no one can release us and which we must fulfill even at the price of death. We've got things that we need to be standing up. It's much more serious than advocating for immigration. They were advocating against Roberts and what he's done. And I've had her one person in the church stand up publicly. I don't know what's happened privately, but we don't want more private stuff. We want to hear the voices standing up for what's right. Before we end the show today, you've been very strong in the last three or four programs. And occasionally we do hear from somebody that will say, sounds like a friend of Medjugorje is just angry. Or why is he so strong in what he's saying? And I would like you to address that just for those who may be under the influence of the politically correctness of having to be in peace in your in your verbiage and in your tone all the time well you can't deliver a message in a monotone voice and get your message across most communication over 50 almost 55% of communication is body language so when you minus out the body language you have to communicate in what way you can and i'm not doing anything in drama or acting i'm speaking from the heart and as far as saying, is it angry? Well, or is there anger? 
there's two kinds of anger. There's righteous anger. There's unjust anger. It's a sin to have unjust anger. I don't think Jesus went about the temple swinging a whip, beating them out of the temple with that anger in him. Was it hateful anger? No, it was love. It was out of love for the temple. And, yeah, we can hate sin. But the, the, as far as the anger, Jesus Jesus had this meaning to Peter. He, he rejected Peter. Get away from me, you devil. I don't think he said it. Uh, Peter, would you get away from me, you devil? I mean, think of his voice. Even, even Colonel Von Galen he he says in here, I demand this. Do you think he says, I'm please chief, I'm demanding that you do this? This is a sermon. I'd like to hear him thundering out. Because if he says, I demand this, there's some power behind it. And there's just anger for what these people were doing, the Nazis and Hitler. I dare say our founding fathers, all who are religious men were calm and just speak, spoke with a feminine voice almost. And maybe I'm exaggerate any feedback that would address that. They're not talking about that. But what, what kind of men were they? What was Great Britain doing? What was the king doing? Did they act and motive, were they motivated because something stirred within their heart that drew them to anger? So if there's not a good anger, Jesus couldn't be angry because he'd never sinned. If there's not a righteous anger, God won't say, my flurry will come against you. My wrath will, my, my wrath will, will punish you. The scriptures are filled with this. And yet God is love. St. Louis de Moffat came off the altar being heckled and punched two guys. You know, the, the Padre Pio, uh, slapped somebody. Stopped a woman because she kept going from, uh, she wanted to go to communion with him. She, she kept trying to skip where the next person she'd jump in line. And altar boy, he once hit on the, during Mass, uh, he hit him on the head with a patent. Now, I'm not saying that's just anger. I'm just saying that's impatience. That's like a virtue, maybe. What I'm saying, though, is if we don't become a convicting people, if there's nothing stirs our heart, first in our own sins, because my sins has contributed to this situation we're in. But when I know a year or two ago that a guy was robbing a woman and shot her and shot her in the womb, killed the baby, she survived, they charged him with murder, and the, the bishop of that diocese is not thoughtful enough and prayerful enough to think, wait a minute, this duplicity that I see existing is is inconsistent. But also, justification to tell every priest in my diocese to say every every mass each day that you call the police chief, the sheriff, or whoever, the city council, but you call those in authority, the law enforcement, we demand that that abortion clinic sitting on the street down, downtown that this, this doctor be arrested. Because for him to calculate, not in a burglary attempt, and the guy didn't maybe know she was pregnant and killed the baby, he gets charged with murder, he's calculated Put, the, put one and one together. Think about this. And if you hit it and you demand that your priest every Sunday are talking about this and you don't let up, somebody's going to listen. 
You can demand the city council, close them down to the health department. This can be done, but there's no thoughtfulness because there's no, nobody speaking up. And I tell you, if a bishop did this of a diocese, you wouldn't have to ask the sheriff to call a posse. You could do it. They would follow you anywhere. You don't recognize the power. I respect the bishops. I'm not being condescending on your power. You are an apostle. The, the, the lineage, the cardinals are the princes of the church. I, I understand that. And I don't tread on anything like that. But I want to tread on teaching when teaching ain't been done, when it's not being done properly. And, and for your own sake. I deal with Maria very closely. I deal with Our Lady for 27 years in these messages. I see what's coming. I'm appealing this for the bishops, for their own good. For your, for your own good, you have to read Cardinal Van Galen and become him right in your own parish or your own diocese and start demanding these people be arrested. Forget about legislation. It doesn't work. It's proven. Don't be a legislator in the, in the bishop conference anymore. Get out and act. We can do this. I'm appealing to you in respect of your power. That's why I'm not just negating it. You had the power that we can't do what we've been called to do it's directly from heaven. There's things and obstacles put in our way. Move and clear the road. You don't have to go to the road. You don't have to give us gas through the money or endorsement. We, that's all we're seeking. So I want to address that in that way. That it's good sometimes to be angry because it started a revolution in this country. It's birthed here because of that. If we never get, if we never got stirred in the heart, nothing would be motivated. Maybe I'm making the bishops angry by saying these things. That's good. All I want you to do is start thinking and that you might be on the wrong side of the fence with Mesuria. And I want to add, you are if you're against it. And you are if your obstacles or you're setting obstacles or you're, you're seeing it being attacked or somebody stopped for something and you don't defend that person's right to do that in their private devotion. You are on the wrong side of the fence and you don't want to be there. Cause I'll tell you one message in Medjugorje they said, do not blaspheme God's name and do not reject the messages. She says another time, you're going to be answered to me. And she wants you beside her in the triumph. Glorious moment for the hierarchy of the church and the bishops. But we may be paying through that blood, and that's what I'm trying to get you to avoid. Because it's coming. And some bishops see that, and that's great. Many bishops don't see it. And so, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. It's time to let the people who have the answer from Our Lady to, to empower them by freedom. Like I said last week, please, bishops, free us. That's all we're asking. Our Lady just told Yvonne on the mountain, the last apparition, decide for peace. And that's what everybody goes to. We're going to decide for peace. Decide for peace. We're going to feed the poor. But we're not feeding the poor. Spiritually, we have the impoverishment today of spiritually starving to death into eternity in hell. Decide for peace, and she's going to define what she means, and fight against evil and sin. There's evils in the world. There's evils what Roberts did. Very evil. 
Robert did something completely wicked as a Catholic, and nobody's called him down for him. Now, one bishop has said something. Now, a group of bishops have gotten together and say, this is excommunication. We're going to officiate this and, and keep repeating it to drive them insane, to repent or do something. We've got to act. Or as Ben Carson says, we won't be able to act because we didn't talk. And we went to the guillotines, to the ovens, just like the Jews did. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. The following was recorded during the previous Radio Wave broadcast that you just heard. And uh, for the sake of continuity, we've added it here at the end. Frank? Yeah, dates are very significant. Uh, and certainly the August 2nd date is very important to Our Lady, where she's given us uh, very important, pivotal messages. And the message that she's given us on August 2nd and, and this month the one on the 11th, in line with what's happening today on the vigil feast of the Assumption. You pointed out that World War II ended on this date. Of course, the gold backing was taken away in 1971 on this date. And tomorrow, on the Feast of the Assumption, for the first time in 117 years, the, um, the London fix for silver will no, longer, will no longer fix the silver market the way they have for 117 years. So, this has been going on since, uh, well, 117 years, since 1889, and it goes back to the demonetization of silver in 1873, Pope Leo the, the 13th's vision of the 100 years that Satan would have to reign, and ironically, or uh, I don't believe in coincidence, but I happen to be standing on the banks of St. Simon's Island on the 11th, staring at Jekyll Island, where the, the Federal Reserve was established. The, Timothy tells us that the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And this central bank in America, which from Andrew Jackson to Woodrow Wilson, we had no central bank in America. But, uh, of course, we had a couple of charters in the beginning, 20-year uh, charters for a central bank, and Andrew Jackson said no more. And it lasted until Woodrow Wilson. And then we got through a meeting on Jekyll Island, a secret meeting, uh, we've, we got a central bank installed here. And this is the abominable Federal Reserve System. 
And so when we look at Our Lady's message in light of this being taken away, when she comes to say that she's came here for the good to win and that we don't realize that we can win and that we're not understanding things about how the good will win, I've seen this for a long time, that there's no possibility for the good to win without men of goodwill taking possession of silver. And then you saw this in the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje round that Our Lady wanted not just for us to take possession of silver, but us to take possession of a, of a particular kind of silver for conversion, for our conversion to fight against evil. And so this, while I'm looking at, at Jekyll Island and having this profound experience of finding ourselves here and being called here, and I, I called your son, Kyle, and I said, you know, just this, you know, this is where it all happened. This is where the central bank took root. And he said, did you see Yvonne's message today from the mountain? And I said, no. And he said, our lady said, fight against evil. And so these things are, are all very significant. I would say that this is the most important date in the history of Medjinomics to understand why it ain't going to happen was written, um, what it, what it's about, and, and we don't understand it everything that, you know, in terms of the price of silver and the silver fix and how this, this relates to winning for the good. But the Federal Reserve System is an abomination, just like the media is abominable. When you have 33 years of a paranormal event, the Blessed Virgin Mary coming down from heaven to give us messages as never before since the beginning of time, the media doesn't report it. Cast, cast it out. I mean, this is an abomination. You know, we're not just physical beings, we're spiritual beings. And what could be more important to our spiritual life than Our Lady coming to feed us with words from heaven? And um, so I want, you know, your listeners to understand the significance of, of what's happening here in light, of, in light of these messages, in light of this important August 2nd message that the Miraculous Metal Magic go around, and we're going to be doing a lot more, you know, uh, to get this out to, to all men of goodwill. We have people ordering us from all faiths, Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, um, every faith calls us in the importance of, of, you know, getting silver into the hands of, of men of goodwill because something different is going to happen now. There's a reason that the, that the London fixed the way they fixed the price. They're standing aside now. And they're putting it on the, the CME, the, the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And um, there'll be a different way that the, that the silver's fixed. And it's certainly the end of silver manipulation. We don't know how long they'll be able to control it after this. But the, there's plenty of signs in what Our Lady's doing in, in, in light of this happening for the first time in 117 years on the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary will be no silver fix. This is pretty amazing and incredible information that Frank has given us here. And uh, again, there is no coincidence that it would take place on this date. And if you have more questions about that, you can contact Frank. Frank, if you want to give your contact information and uh, any comment after that. Yeah, you can contact us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can also email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com and our website is globalsilverinvestors.com and the other significant thing 
I saw from the second of the month message is, is Our Lady's call to unity, unity among us, and particularly unity with our shepherds. And I know Our, our Lady is speaking of our bishops and speaking of our priests and the Holy Father, our shepherds, but also Our Lady refers to heads of households and fathers when, when she's talking about unity with our shepherds. And certainly what comes to our mind as we're solid behind, solidly behind a fundamental Gloria in the community of Caritas is how we've been shepherded and fed, you know, through this mission and these writings and how important it is to unite, you know, with, with the uh, teaching of these important writings, uh, particularly it ain't going to happen. They fired the first shot, you know, what this community of Caritas has done by forming community and what we can do by forming community. It's just uh, a very significant thing that I saw in the messages to be, you know, solidly united by this important message that a, that a shepherd in Our Lady's children is in, in a very unique way. And this ends the Radio Wave Medianomics broadcast. Again, what you just heard was recorded during the previous broadcast, and we've added it at the end for the sake of continuity. To get more copies of this or to download for free, you can go to medj.com, mej.com, and click on uh, Downloads, or go to the left-hand menu, go to Past Shows, and you could find the August 14th, 2014 Radio Wave Show. You could also contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000, again, 205-672-2000, and ask for the Radio Wave broadcast of August the 14th, 2014. Thank you for listening.